The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. It always seems kind of strange to end a Gospel lesson with such stark words of judgment bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then I say, this is the gospel of the Lord. You all sing praise to be to thee, O Christ. It always seems like a strange thing. It doesn't sound like a very gospely message that Jesus is preaching. But he's preaching something that is loaded with the gospel for us because he's concerned that you and I understand what worthiness consists of. What makes you worthy? to be a member of God's kingdom? What makes you worthy to inherit eternal life? What makes you worthy to stand before God's throne and to receive his blessings? That's the question that Jesus takes up in our gospel lesson, and he takes it through one by one. So here's a few things to pay attention to. We've got four categories, four different ways a person might try to be worthy. Three of them will fail, that's for sure. And they are these. You will not be worthy by rejecting the invitation. You will not be worthy by rejecting the invitation. You will not be worthy, number two, by being a good person. Number three, you will not be worthy just by showing up. But, number four, this is where we're going. You are worthy when you receive the invitation and you wear the wedding garment. We can see these things play out in our gospel lesson one by one. So you see, first of all, these people to whom the king had sent an invitation. Come to my feast. And when they declined, he sent more messengers. Come. It's all, everything's ready. The party is prepared. The banquet is sitting before you. Just come and eat. But they refused. They wouldn't come. Some refused quite violently. And you can picture these kind of people in our world. They were 
opposed, utterly opposed to the king and his message. They wanted nothing to do with it, and to make their point, they killed the messengers. Those are the folks in our world who persecute Christians, who persecute preachers of the gospel. They are violent towards the invitation. But you notice that in our gospel lesson, there's another way of rejecting the invitation, which is much more like indifference. Some of those people who heard the invitation, who received the invitation, they just said, well, I have better things to do. I have more important things to do. I have other things that occupy my attention and my time. Yes, I believe, I believe in God, but I don't need to hear God's word. I don't need to receive the forgiveness of sins. What a mistake that is. To think that you can stand not receiving that invitation, that you can get by without hearing God's word and receiving the forgiveness of sins because that is what the invitation is for. It's for life bound up in Christ, bound up in the forgiveness of sins. Now the word of judgment for those people who reject the invitation, it is a stern word. That king, what did he do? He sent soldiers and he killed the murderers and burned their city. In our world, which would like to think there is no such thing as hell, how can you escape it? The judgment for those who reject the invitation is powerful. And we should all heed that warning. That when God's word comes to us, we should not turn away from it, but towards it. When God's word comes to us, we should hear it and receive it gladly as our salvation, as our life, as our future. So you do not become worthy, and this is pretty obvious. You do not become worthy by rejecting the invitation. But this next one is not so obvious. You do not become worthy of God's kingdom by being a good person. Did you notice that after these folks reject the invitation, the master of the feast, the king, he sends out his messengers into the highways and byways to grab anyone he can find. Anyone. Anyone that's living and breathing. Anyone with a pulse. And then he goes on to name them more specifically, the bad and the good. The bad are listed first. He went looking for those people who are least likely, those you would set aside, those who you would consider by our earthly standards completely unworthy of God's kingdom. Those are the people who are called. Just like Jesus says to the scribes and the Pharisees, look, it's the prostitutes and the tax collectors who entered the kingdom of God before you do. Being good does not get you into the kingdom of heaven. And in fact, imagine any of these people, if they showed up to that feast, and they knocked on the door and said, okay, we're here. The invitation was sent out to us. We've come. And the doorman says, okay, we're, you know, show me the invitation. And you say to them, or whoever it was who was invited, says, well, I'm a really good person. That's why you should let me in. The doorman's going to say, what's that got to do with it? That's got nothing to do with it at all. Do you see the people lined up behind you with invitations in their hands? They're bad people. What does your goodness have to do with it? You do not become worthy of God's kingdom by being a good person. Now, before you conclude, as our flesh so often tries to, before you conclude, well, that means, Pastor, I can do whatever I want, right? I should sin all the more because grace is going to abound. Before you conclude that, notice that there is no badness in the feast, in the banquet, in the marriage reception. There is no badness. It's all left behind. In fact, that's what the invitation is for. For freedom from sin and every evil. The same word that's used to describe the bad by Jesus is the very same word that we use in the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil. That's what entering into the marriage feast means. It means leaving behind 
Whatever was evil, whatever is sinful, whatever is wicked, it means leaving it behind and entering into the joy of the master of the feast. Entering into his goodness, receiving his goodness and blessing. So you do not come to the feast saying, I'm a good person, but you come to the feast in order to become a good person. In order to receive the goodness of Christ in place of all the sin and wickedness that you have heaped up for yourself. So do not think, do not think that you become worthy by becoming a good person. This is a common, a common mistake that people make. And I've said it before in Bible study, I'll say it to all of you as well. The last thing you want people to say about you, as you're lying on your deathbed, the last thing you want them to say about you is, he was a really good person. That doesn't count for anything in the end. What you want them to say about you is, he received Jesus' word and he believed it. He has Jesus' goodness. He's covered in the righteousness of Jesus. That's what you want people to say about you. Now, the third way not to be worthy is simply by showing up. And to illustrate this, I've got a, uh, an embarrassing story from my high school experiences for you. I played basketball for a little bit, and I showed up late to a game once, and I was ready to play, pulled out my bag, and I discovered that my uniform was not in my bag. And, of course, uh, the refs wouldn't let you play if you didn't have a uniform. You got no number on, you got no team designation. They're not going to let you play. Neither would my coach. It, didn't matter. it helped him that I wasn't very good, so benching me wasn't a really big deal. But even if I had been a great player, he wouldn't have played me because I didn't have my uniform. It didn't matter my qualifications for playing in the game. He wasn't going to let me play. Now notice two different things here, right? The refs wouldn't let me play simply because I would have been breaking the rules. They were all about keeping and following the rules. But the reason my coach wouldn't let me play because my, my lack of a uniform and showing up late to the game told him something about my attitude towards this basketball team. My lack of a uniform uncovered something about my heart. This is what Jesus is getting at when he talks about a wedding garment. It's not as though here comes the king into the feast and he's picking on those people who were too poor to have good clothes. In fact, what often happened is that if you showed up to a feast, you were given a wedding garment. And this makes the picture complete for you and me. This is what happens in baptism. You are clothed with Christ. The wedding garment is given to you. And so, simply showing up and not wearing the garment, simply showing up and not wearing the garment is to show up on your own terms. It's to reject the blood that washed you, that made your robes white, the blood of the Lamb. It's to reject the covering that God gives you so that you can stand in his presence. Simply showing up does not make you worthy. It's to be showing up on your own terms. It's to be thinking, I'm not really sorry for my sins. Maybe I'm sorry for some of them. Maybe I'm sorry for the ones that I've been caught in the act of. Maybe I'm sorry for the ones that I feel kind of guilty about, but I'm not sorry for all of them. I'm not pleading for God's mercy. I'm not receiving his life, his blood, his goodness to cover all of my sin. That's what it means to just show up and not to wear the wedding garment. This is why, this is why Haley was examined before her confirmation today. Because it's entirely possible that any one of us could come here into this church not wearing the wedding garment. This is why I ask anyone who's visiting to abstain from taking Holy Communion because it's possible for any of us to be found lacking the wedding garment. 
And the problem with not wearing the wedding garment is that you are cast out into the outer darkness. This is why the church exists. So that we can all help each other. This is why I've been commissioned as a pastor. So that I can help all of you to make sure that you're wearing the wedding garment. To make sure that you're wearing it properly. To make sure that when you are greeted by the king at the feast, he doesn't cast you out. So that on the last day, you're not found to have sinned against the body and blood of Jesus. So that on the last day, you're not found standing there naked and ashamed because you thought just showing up was the key to being worthy. No. You must also wear the wedding garment. You must put on the clothes of Christ's righteousness. This is why I'm constantly reminding you to examine yourselves before you come to the Lord's Supper. Examine yourselves. Or better yet, ask me to examine you. Ask me to subject you to the same examination that I put Haley to. Why? So that you can discover whether or not you're wearing the robes of Christ's righteousness. So that you can learn where sin still lurks in your life, where sin still needs to be repented of. So that you can learn again to trust in Jesus and best of all to receive from him Forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. That, that is what makes you worthy. That's what it means to receive the invitation and to wear the wedding garment. That's why we baptize babies. Because they are fit to be in God's kingdom. Because they can hear and receive the invitation through the waters of holy baptism. And they can be clothed in the robes of Christ's righteousness. It's as simple as that. Hearing and believing and receiving from God, all good things. That's why we should encourage children. This is what we say in the, rite of, uh, in, the, in the sacrament of holy baptism. Sponsors promise to encourage those who have been baptized to the faithful reception of the Lord's Supper. We do that because we should encourage everyone to eat and drink at the feast worthily, wearing the clothes of Christ's righteousness. All that's required, as Luther says, is faith in these words, given and shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins. All that's required is that Christ has been put on you, that you have received him, that you're not trusting in yourself, that you're not looking anywhere else for your salvation, that you're not hoping in anything else but God alone and in what he has done for you on the cross. That's what's on offer here in this place, week after week. All of the things that God wants to deliver to you, all of the blessings that he wants you to have, the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. And it is as simple as this. Listen again to these words from Isaiah. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. What is required of you but faith? So here again today, here again, the invitation. The feast has been prepared. The kingdom of God is set before you. Receive that invitation gladly. Trust in Jesus. Put your hope in him. Wear Christ, the wedding garment that will not fade, that will not wear out, that will last to eternity. Put your hope in him. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.